Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwinnikoo, and this episode 368. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this uh, Friday morning? Uh, I think this week is probably the strongest evidence of if Prez doesn't watch the Knicks live, they turn into like the 96 Bulls. So I'm doing okay. And I'm going to keep on taking one for the team. Yeah, I mean, that'll be hard when we're uh, about to clinch in a sweep in the finals. So Listen, not all heroes wear capes, okay? I'll do what I must. I mean, you could wear a cape. No no one would stop you if you wanted. Thank you. Such a judgment-free co-host. Yes, I know. Uh, All right. Well, we are going to talk about the Knicks uh, quite thoroughly beating the shit out of the Nuggets um, on top of just a kind of a fun, weird win against the Nets on Tuesday. But uh, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first one that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland Atlanta Instagram, posting all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you maybe watch this podcast. If you are and you've not done so already, please hit like, leave us a comment, and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website, www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. And finally, Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland's newest podcast, Takes from Obvious Bozos, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Bladder. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, our rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Murder, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen, where they discuss, you guessed it, the NFL. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits. Go listening on our product recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting the podcast alongside yours truly new, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. It is playoff time. The road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Use our promo code Believe B L E A V B L E A V to receive your fifteen percent welcome bonus. Um, all right. So the Knicks, uh, I mean, look, they thoroughly just absolutely dismantled the Nuggets, one twenty-two to eighty-four uh, in a game that was never close. The Knicks were up double digits within the first five minutes and the game never got on. I think the closest it got after the first quarter was 13 points. Um, And by the end of the first half, the game was effectively over. Um, There's all kinds of crazy numbers in this game. This is the lowest point scored by the Nuggets this season. This is their largest margin of defeat this season. Uh, I think they also scored the least they have in the first half 
this entire season. They only scored 41, I believe. Um, it's a thorough domination. And this was not a case of, I mean, I, I honestly have no idea what the Knicks shot from three or whatever, but this was not like a case. Like, you know, when they beat Philly a few weeks ago, that felt a lot like, man, they are just on fire from three. And yeah, the defense is great in that game too, but uh, there was, it felt a little, little, little lucky. Like, you know, not that the Knicks, the Knicks weren't lucky to win, but maybe they were a little lucky by the margin of victory. This didn't feel like that at all. Um, this just was a total ass kicking. They deserved to win by 38 points, which is kind of crazy to say. Uh, there was not a single stretch of the game where Denver got any momentum. I guess you could say the closest they came was uh, after Jokic got poked in the eye and then he left for the remainder of the first half. Initially, uh, the Nuggets went on a little 6-0 run uh, and they cut the lead to 13 and then they called timeout. And from there it was, I mean, again, the lead expanded to, I believe it was 21 and a half time. Uh, it was, it was, again, th- this game was done at half um, and the Nuggets never made a run in the third quarter because the Knicks didn't let them. And it's what it was. Um, I great performances all around. I thought OG and Anobi obviously the standout yesterday. Six deals, twenty six points. Uh, he had a couple of mid range pull ups that were huge. Uh, he even had a nice little uh, move in the lane where he spun around. Uh, where he kind of pivoted around, I guess I should say. Aaron Gordon. Um, I thought Julius Randle played. I, I the the box. We gotta talk about this. These like garbage time. Special moves OG was busting out. I, I'll, yeah. I'll circle back to that later because because I'm intrigued here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I thought Randall was. I, I don't even. I, I think he ended up a couple assists and rebounds shy of a, of a triple double. If this game was in any doubt, he would have gotten a triple double. Um, he was. I thought he dominated the game offensively. He was really really special. The end of the first half is maybe one of the best little stretches of play I've ever seen from him because that's usually a stretch where he will try to dominate the ball and call his own number. And he was just diming guys up. He, he just was totally in control yesterday. I, I was super, super impressed with his play. Jalen Brunson did Jalen Brunson things. He scored very efficiently. He, he, I thought he got the first thing he did. He got into the paint, spread it out to Dante. Dante found OG for an open wing three. Um, like that, that was just, it just shows you how, well he's playing uh for him to collapse the defense that way they had no answer for him the entire game um it, it, he was he was tremendous and then um obviously you got to give credit to the centers precious and sims sims did a really really good job at the start of the game on Jokic. um precious has strung together now two or three three i think good games together so that's nice to see and um also, like, finally, I think you got to give credit. I mean, the bench also, shout out to them. They were good yesterday and Dante. But, like, yeah, I just got to give a lot of credit to Tom Thibodeau, who I think had them very – I mean, not think. He clearly had them very prepared. Uh, I have liked his rotations the last couple of games. Even if there's – if there's even if there's stuff to still tweak, you know, maybe you can get Grimes a few more minutes here, maybe dial back this guy's minutes there, whatever it is. Um, these last two games, this is the type of minutes distribution that needs to occur. And um, he's staggering OG Randall and Brunson really well. I think that's helping the the bench kind of stay uh, more afloat in their minutes. And um, he's, you know, like OG, I think only played 29 minutes last night. Obviously that's skewed because of the fact that it was a blowout, but even if it wasn't a blowout, he probably would end up playing like 35, 36. You can live with that. That's fine. Um, you just want to avoid these 40 plus, you know, 
fucking entire second halves type of games that he's he's had under his belt since he came to New York. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just think all around, this was as complete a victory as you could possibly have um, at any point in an NBA season and to do it against the Nuggets. And yes, I understand they're at the end of a West Coast road trip and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, it was dominant. It was it was impressive. And, uh, you know, there's it's it was also just nice to see uh, the Garden kind of get give OG his props. He got a little OG chant going. So um, good to good to see all that. Good vibes all around. Good win. And uh, yeah, again, I just can't say enough about how dominant that really was. And hopefully, I mean, they carry this forward into Saturday against Miami. They can really open up some distance between them and uh, a team that potentially is chasing for the same kind of play position. Yeah, that would be really satisfying because the Heat remain on the top of my shit list uh, by a large margin. Fuck them. I hope Terry Rozier and his shitty defense and desire to chuck sinks them. But um, back to the Knicks, you know, I didn't watch either of the games live. Um, so, like, I got the vibes were good from the internet, from Twitter, from texts and all that. Um, but, you know, in the immediate reaction, you get a couple of the, like, headliner things that you describe, like everybody praising OG or Randall dominating or, you know, Brunson doing his thing versus the Nets and stuff like that. But I, the things that jumped out the most to me were the new guys or guys who are newly on the court. So Sims, um, kind of just beginning to figure out their roles. Like we know, like we know what Precious and Sims are good at and not good at, right? They both have lots of energy. They both could jump high as shit. Neither of them are tall. They're both undersized, even though they're both strong. Um, and Precious, you know, the first few instances of him playing, it was a little manic. Like, he was all over the place. Um, he was making poor decisions. But part of this is part of the evolution, I think, over the last two weeks for him was realizing that, like, in the way the Knicks play, like, just don't make decisions. Like, if you get the ball and you're not, like, right under the hoop with an easy layup, just like it's not a decision it's it's it, you have one goal which is kick it out like just get the ball and kick it back out you know so hit the glass kick it back out and then on defense he's never going to be able to like affect the Jokic contest for the most part he's too short right but like try your best to play two in the pick and roll you know i i noticed that tibbs he's not switching stuff with with sims and precious but he is letting them play further up um more than he would for someone like mitch obviously and um probably a little even more than Hart. so i I feel like this the backup centers and tibbs have found a nice equilibrium in terms of understanding what they got to do and just like keeping it really simple for them um and sims um to me he's shown clear improvement from last year um he's still limited by is like height and reach, but he's doing a much better job of like 
making the most of that um, when he's defending pick and rolls and stuff like that, like knowing when to go close to the ball handler or fake going close to the ball handler. Um, so that's really cool. And then it also helps to have these guys flanked by OG a lot of the time because he can provide some presence at the rim that someone like Randall doesn't provide. So there's a lot of times where these guys will have to play up a little bit. And, you know, in the past, we wouldn't have had anybody on the back line who could do anything. Randall doesn't really jump like that. And the rest of the Knicks are just too small. But um, unless they're, like, taking a charge or something. But OG will get up there and, like, disrupt the lob or disrupt the entry pass or things like that. He's basically another big. So it makes their lives easier, especially as essentially like small ball centers, really. So that has been really cool to see. The other thing that jumped out um, with OG and Tibbs to me is like, remember, I think it was the first or second game and he was like, I don't really know what's going on. So I'm going to just keep cutting and moving or whatever and just spotting up in the corner. And like, you know, that's he's good at those things. So good for him but like we're now beginning to see some actual stuff run for him um and some of it is just shit from the rj barrett package but on the other side of the court where they would get rj going right to left they get og carling from left to right to the middle of the court and it seemed like low-hanging fruit and so obvious because like he can't really dribble but he's huge and athletic and fast. So just uh, give him a little runway and see what he can do with it. And he's not particularly great at layups, but if you give him runway, like this motherfucker could jump pretty high. So like, and he's strong. So um, even though it was low hanging fruit, you know, Tibbs, like there's no guarantee that he was going to do it. So um, it's good to see that they're not just resting on OG in the corner um, when he's with the starters and stuff like that, even though that's still mostly his role, like corner and cut. But like now that introducing those curl actions and um, he's he has a good enough re- reading feel to know like, all right, well, I'm I'm not going to take an overly ambitious floater or some shit. I'm just going to pass it or OK, there's one person in front of me. I can Euro step around them. like the reads are really simple for him. So uh, so that's been cool to see. And then with the bench units, like I, I know we're still waiting for knock on wood, like some bench initiation help. And OG is not an initiator, but they're letting him just try shit a little bit. I think by my count, uh, he has in the games versus Denver and Brooklyn, five mid-range jumpers that went in, including one bank. And... They are all the same. They were all like him either initiating from the top or coming off of a curl and then act and doing like that the quickly thing where if they stay with him, he just stops and they kind of keep going and he'll just take this little fade. And I don't think he's gonna ever be like elite at it, but like for bench units, it's a nice option to have, especially while we're waiting for trade help. Um, so it's kind of cool to just see. Tibbs and OG figure out ways to leverage his skills, even the limited skills. So um, those two things kind of jumped out. And I mean, all that stuff is really gravy on top of 
the main shit that you said, right? Like Randall's cooking. We all know that like generally speaking in games like the Denver game, when he knows the team is in control, he goes even more pass first and he's like even more centered. But in the Brooklyn game, like it was never a blowout. So it, that was much more, uh, I mean, the, like the Denver game was like objectively impressive, like his dominance, but like for him to find that balance between attacking and passing in a close game, that to me is more impressive because that's where I'm like, I don't know which Randall's going to show. I don't, I know whenever we're up by 20, I'm, I'm like, wow, like point God Randall's going to show up. Like it's every time. Well, can, it but, can go, it can go one of two ways. He can either do the point <laughs> God or he can just start chucking. So you never know. <laughs> I feel like he doesn't even do that in blowouts that much, unless it's like the Wizards, who he like has personal vendetta against or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what to make of the. I, I think like yet getting more comfortable with just like, I mean, he talked about this after the game last night um, that he felt like he wasn't being aggressive enough when he went back and watched tape, and that was something. That OG. Was kind of, yeah, yeah, and that was oh, something that he was that he was kind of. Uh, looking to address, I guess. Um, and that was definitely the case yesterday. He's way more aggressive than he has been. Even against Brooklyn, I thought there were flashes of it. That was a weird game, though. Um, so mm-hmm. just a different game. But this was, yeah, I, I think part of it is just like, yes, obviously an individual kind of like, okay, I haven't been aggressive. That's natural. You're coming to a new team. Maybe you don't want to impose yourself. You understand, okay, Randall and Brunson are kind of like, the main guys here, let me play off of them. And that's fine. He should play off of them, but you've got to play off of them in a way that doesn't um, make you just like a spot up shooter. And we've talked about this earlier in the season, right? With like how Dante and quickly would play off of the starters versus uh, how Grimes would play off the starters. It's like, yeah, your role is kind of small, but like there are some things you could do. (laughs) Yeah. And I think in OG's case too, like, just understanding where the gaps are, where, when those guys are going to swing you the ball, it makes it easier to kind of um, then make your decisions from there and understand how to be aggressive from that point in time. Um, I, I'm just, look, I, I, I said this yesterday on the, on the, on the rundown and I'll say it again, whatever, I'll, I'll keep saying it, but like, um, you know, I, I 100% one, I, I said, at the time the trade was made, uh, I said that I thought quickly was the best asset in the trade. I, I no longer believe that. Um, I think I severely underestimated what OG would do for this team. And you know, look, maybe maybe there's a world. I still think there's a world where quick could end up being the best player in the trade. Um, but like, forget that world. Uh, in the world we are in, like OG Ananobi's impact on this team is massive and it's massive in a way that quickly was never going to have that RJ was never going to have as long as they were Knicks. Um, and you know, we can always sit here and debate, you know, how, how the Knicks use these guys and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, at the end of the day, they made a decision that, Hey, Brunson and Randall are so good that like getting this guy can elevate this group. And if that hurts us in terms of some shot creation stuff, fine. So be it, we'll figure that out later. But what he is going to do is going to add, it's going to take us to a different level and it 100% has taken them to a different level. Uh, I would also, I I also would love, I, I think it's safe to say most people, the vast majority of people, even the people that were uh, bullish on this trade 
would be uh, have been surprised by the level of impact this move has had. And that is, uh, again, that's a credit to the players. That's a credit to the front office. That's a credit to the coaching staff. Like they've all maximized the impact of this move so far. The roles and- are the roles are like, I, like it's it's funny and it's kind of weird saying it because like. I'm going to say the roles have fallen in place. And part of the reason before the trade, the roles were not in place was like, it, it it was a tragedy of our own making, right? Like it wasn't an accident that the roles were not in place, but now it's just the roster is, has more direction for better and worse, like holes and strength. And um, I mean, you're seeing it with OG, right? Like he's, like you said in the interview, he's, his default was like, let me fit in off ball without chucking. And I'll then figure out when to pick my spots to be more aggressive. Josh Hart was talking about finally uh, accepting his role as energy guy or whatever. And, you know, it's not an accident that he's been hooping his ass off. Um, and the teams have been performing well with him because he knows like, what he should do and what he shouldn't do. And like, he's just eliminating. It's not like he's shooting that much better or anything like that. He's just kind of eliminating some of the dumb decisions he would make, which is really like, that's like the other theme of this, right? Is like before the trade, you had like Hart making dumb decisions. You had Grimes making dumb decisions. You had RJ making obviously the most dumb decisions. Now, like it's so fucking rare for me to, on any given offensive play for me to be like, what the fuck was that? Like the most you'll get is they, the team is passing more. So they'll have turnover. Like Dante will occasionally like bite up a little more than he could chew in terms of driving and kicking RJ still. I mean, not RJ Randall still has the turnovers where like he'll turn his back and the other team will hit the blind spot and just dig and just snatch the cookies. But like aside from the turnovers, um, the decisions have been better. And the turnovers, that real quick, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Because, like, my thought coming in, well, the other thought I had coming into the Denver game was, like, I think three of the four last games, even though we've been playing well, like, they were like, okay, the Knicks were turning the ball over in the first half. And once they stopped in the second half, it turned into dominance, right? Like, we saw that on some level with the Nets. We saw that with the Bulls. There was another team we played right before but i don't remember who where it was the same shit and we saw what happened this was the first game to me in versus a good team with the new roster where we saw what a force they can be when they just don't have an insane amount of turnovers in the first half and it's like oh yeah the blowout can begin in the first quarter it doesn't it doesn't have to wait till the third when they don't turn it over because the game plan is that sound and the talent is that high. Yeah. Um, it's I honestly, again, like I, I just think that it's worked as well as anybody could have hoped for at the bare minimum. And I would suggest that it's hope it's worked better now than anybody actually expected at the time of the trade. Um, do I think they're perfect? Obviously not. Like I still believe they need another guy that can get into the paint uh collapse defense create offense because um i still think they're like very very dependent on 
three-point shooting when Brunson and or Randall sit. Uh, that's a problem. They're going to need more in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, the initial returns on this trade look great, and and they look great. And, and the, the reason why I think they probably were comfortable making the trade at the time and why I was generally – like my, my take was like I don't think they can they won the trade until they make the subsequent move because I do think they needed to they and I still believe they need to replace what quickly gave them off the bench uh, in terms of just again shot creation, but uh, that kind of the bar has the goalposts have moved because now the starting lineup is so good that like the level that you need to get from that bench guard spot right now is just not as high. Like they don't need as much. And honestly, you get a guy like Brogdon or you get a guy like, I mean, just Brogdon, let's just use him as an example uh, or Clarkson even like, I think either of those guys, you bring them in here and I think your team goes up even another step, two steps, whatever it is. Like, so um, it's just, it's, it's really, um, it's really, really impressive. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I can't really say more than, than what I've said because I just think it's like I, it's, it's so stupid and I, I don't want to ever sound like I'm taking it for granted. But like it does get it feels like I'm just repetitively saying the same things and having the same observations after every game because there's just not much else to say. Like I think it's obvious what their strengths are. It's obvious what they still could use. Um, I will say like maybe there's an argument to be had that um, and this is an interesting one. We'll see what they do with it. But like. I think the offense in general has looked better since Mitch went out. That's not to say what Mitch does is relevant or that he has no offensive value. Obviously uh, we saw his offensive value last year in the first round against Cleveland, right? Like he dominated that series and we largely won that series because of his ability to get extra possessions for us on the offensive glass. That being said, I think there's a limitation to how much, how far you can go if you're leaning into it to the degree the Knicks were leaning into it. And um, obviously I heart didn't play the last couple games, but I think it's definitely shown out that like I heart with that starting group is really, really dynamic offensively. And so when, I mean, I heart will come back at some point soon, I'm assuming. Um, and Mitch will be back hopefully before the end of the season, which is the update that we most recently got, but like, it'll be interesting to see how that's managed because obviously Mitch has been the starter since Tibbs took over from day one. So that's four. This is the fourth season. Now um, he was a starter in Mike Miller when Mike Miller took over in his last season or like the season before Tibbs got here, I guess, but better way to put it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they manage it because he's going to come back. Presumably I heart will ha still be in the starting lineup at that time. And hopefully I, I expect be based on their performance that the Knicks will still be a very, very good team and they'll be rolling. Uh, it'll be interesting how they manage it because he's a different dynamic for sure. And uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if it ain't broke, I don't know. I'm not saying don't like, yeah, no, bring, bring bench back into the rotation. I just don't think he should start in that scenario though. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that stuff because that, I mean, look, these are champagne problems that we're talking about. Um, but considering how good the defense has been without Mitch since they got OG, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty scary to think about what they could be. And also, this is an argument for, like, why I don't think they should trade Quentin Grimes. I mean, I thought not that he individually was doing it, but 
that group off the bench, him being a part of it, I thought he was really good at the point of attack yesterday. And you just see like the versatility that can give you. And like, you know, you look at this group when Mitch gets back, you're talking about a team that has two minus defenders in their entire rotation in terms of Brunson and Randall. And even in the case of Randall, so much of that is tied into like, is he locked in when he's locked in his defense is good. He was really good yesterday. I thought, I thought his defense was excellent yesterday. Um, and Brunson, you know, obviously not a great defender, but he does have a knack for producing turnovers by drawing charges, getting hit in the face, whatever the hell it was yesterday. He got hit in the face, right. By KCP got an elbow. Um, but like, he just has a knack for that. That has value too. So, you know, again, you get Mitch back. Talk about a team that's, I think uh, Benji tweeted this out, uh, Ben Ritholz, uh over at Knicks Film School. He tweeted out that uh, the Knicks have given up 99.7 points per game since OG came in. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's impressive. I'm pretty sure they have the number one defensive rating since then. And I think the thing, you know, we talked about this actually in the summer and it's pretty noticeable and, and it's cool to like actually see it play out this way. One of the things you talked about, I talked about, was like, how can the Knicks kind of improve uh, even without having made a big splash? Obviously, they've made a bigger splash now. But part of it was like, hey, like they are last in the league in deflections. Like that's something that they can improve. Dante helped address that. They were 18th in the league in deflections before he got there. And I want to be clear. I I, I believe that DJ Ace, uh, Ace Zulo over at Knicks Home School, I believe he tweeted this out. Um, but the Knicks were 18th in deflections uh, before the OG trade. Since the OG trade, they're eighth. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see how those guys have helped change something. Like, forget the – yeah, the defensive rating is a defensive rating, but how they're getting there, why they're disruptive, how that's changed uh, with over time and, and as this roster continues to evolve, it's pretty interesting and it's pretty cool. And uh, I definitely think these are reasons why – uh, the Knicks front office targeted these players on top of obviously just them being good, but like, yes, yeah, you can talk about the CAA connection with OG and you can talk about the Villanova connection connection with Dante DiVincenzo, but I don't think they'd sign these guys or targeted these guys if they didn't have a vision for them and how they'd impact them. And uh, I think that vision is, is coming too.